Welcome to Rebecca Sounds Reveille. What a treat I have for you today because I have someone who is all the way across the globe coming to share her story with you. She is a well-renowned author and she actually, her first piece was awarded a special merit by the International Library of Poetry. She's received a lot. She's going to tell us how many numerous international awards, and she was published in the anthology An Endless Place. She talks about how she began her career, which I, in, in writing, but I don't want to go there just yet. I'm not giving it to you. She's been published in a number of anthologies. She's been in several magazines, along with newspapers galore, and I love this because this is what it's about. When you have a passion for something, move on it, get out there, get all of that shown because it's important. Your passion is important and so is hers. And hers is going to really make a difference in some things in your world as you get to know her. Journalist Kathy McQueen compared her to author Sylvia Plath. And if you know who that is, she made a huge difference in writing and poetry. And I'm not going to go into that because that's not who we're talking about today. But today, our guest is known for Untold Story 2021, Sounds of Silver Doves Cry, uh, No More Goodbyes, Beautiful Attack, and Sanquinity. She studied, I love this, and this is really the biggest clue here for you. She studied, well, at Sydney Business and Development. So welcome with me to the show, Catherine Basilicata. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. I love that you are so passionate about all of the things that you've been getting out there. You are just on fire with incredible things. But I want it before I get to all of these things that are going on, I really want to know how you got started because you have a story that I think people are really going to want to hear and there's going to be some, some things about it. They're going to be able to identify with it. So do tell me how you got started. Okay. I started, began when I actually flatlined in hospital from Sydney for three minutes uh, because I kept getting in major infections that was undiagnosed for quite a few years and in hospital they found um, a hospital bacteria inside me, which is only found in the hospital, not in the community. And I was sent to the, uh, sorry, an immunologist found that I had immunoglobulin deficiency, where it is, it, it, uh, where all your Ig levels, Iga, Igg, Idm. All those play a part in your immune system. So I kept getting major infections. So without government antibiotics, I would not recover by uh, intravenously as well. And the treatment for that was Instagram blood infusion every three weeks. I had lost so much weight as well. That's is so intense. Yeah, and like a pen came to my hand. I just started 
writing because I've gone through so much in my life with what I've endured, what I've witnessed, what I've seen, um, what I've actually had to overcome uh, in relationships, uh, dangerous relationships, dangerous events too, um, and it's just beyond so much. So you started writing because of all of these events that took place. And these are so devastating. When you wake up from being flatlined, I can't even imagine what you're trying to to understand about your surroundings, about what's going on with you. And then on top of it, to have a series of events that continued just on and on and you're just trying to heal and you're delivered one kind of blow after another but what I think is so exciting about what you did is you said I really need to get this I need to pin this and get this out there and I'm gonna guess you've got to share with me how healing was that just in itself the release and outcome for me it uh by me writing it, it also, in my mind, I was thinking I wanted it to help others as well because with my first book, I received so much contact from people wanting to know how I, I they said that they actually said to me, um, they actually told me that it actually helped them with their circumstances. And so I knew that that with that I've got well I've got so much more to say that it will attract masses everyone yeah. as much people I can help with yes. my experiences. That just gives me so much joy to hear you share that you have turned something into helping others. And so not only did it help you, but it's been this huge ripple effect and it's continuing to happen. One of the questions I have is oftentimes when we come out of some type of sedation, we don't remember things. And I'm wondering just through your writing, as you started to write, did your brain, when it started coming out on paper, bring back memories that you you weren't thinking of at the time, they just started flowing out? Correct. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yes, exactly. Just like really raw passion. It just uh, flowed out and it was a release for me and the people that actually read it going, oh, my God, you actually went through this? Oh, my God, you're still alive. Oh, my God, how did you, how did you handle that, you know? So these are all little stories that combine, that combine into one huge, huge, like, series of story. Like, it's just huge. I think this is incredible. And so I want to take a moment just to share with the audience, if you've ever been told, if you're feeling anxious or depressed or you want to work through some problems, start journaling. This is probably the best description I could ever give you to support doing that because your brain releases something. And the, one of the things that I share, Catherine, with a lot of people when I work with them, with a lot of victims, is that I tell them when you write, 
something. Don't type, don't go in there and try to do, to type. There's something that goes from the brain and it goes right out through your hand. And there's something different about that yeah. in itself. And I, I really don't know what all of that is, but there's just so much proof that I have seen in different uh, outcomes by doing that. And this even, I'm just so excited to hear that. So from there, what was your first, what was your first writing that came out publicly? Do you remember? Well, I, I, it was a spiel. Uh, so that started with uh, me, with the special, uh, what I did was, is it actually really good? I was thinking to myself. Yeah. So yeah. what I did was, <laughs> I, well, I found out later with everything that happened after, but I sent it to to the International Library of Poetry and they gave me special merit, one piece, and then they continued doing it. And it. it was not just special merit, but they what, kept, I kept winning all these awards and... Uh, my God, and um, and then they placed me in all their anthologies, all of it internationally, and and also at which that led to all these newspapers, local newspapers, um, even journalistic magazines interviewed me. Um, it's just so vast. This is so exciting. I mean, you had to, when you started getting the, when the first award came, I bet you were just so overwhelmed. And when they kept coming, I can't even imagine how to be even more excited than that first one. But they just, your work is so good. Yes. It is so good. I've been told that. (laughs) Yeah. I still, I still can't learn it. Yeah, it is. It is. Do you think, your love for the language started when you were young. I know. I mean, let me, yes. let me share with you why I say that, because I can remember being in, I think it was my freshman year of high school and in the English class. And as I started to learn some things about literature and poetry, I was just taken by the language and yes. wanted to absorb it like a sponge because there was so many different ways you could use these words and how descriptive they were for what you were feeling inside and that never left me so I'm wondering it was creativity mm-hmm. creativity it was for me and I just started writing it was in my teens actually and so what I did do. okay yeah I was like journaling I had like um a diary you know like yes. a diary so and but you know, in literature, English, you they teach you um, like nonfiction, and that's a, like in school, you know. And my passion was there; it's always been there, you know. And I did start when I was very, very, very young, and writing in a journal, and I just didn't think it would. You know, it would be something that I would do, like, permanently. But it did, you know, when you look back mm-hmm. and to the point now, it's just fathomable. Like, 
it's just amazing. I so love it. I, I think that this is really exciting. And I want to ask you, in your opinion, I mean, which do you think is more difficult, finding a good publisher or publishing on your own? Because there's a lot of people writing out there and they're kind of like, I'm not sure exactly what to do. So uh, for, those of who, for those of us who kind of been through this, I, I want your opinion and I'll share with you a little bit about mine and the audience can kind of gather some things from what we talk about. Yeah, well... I'm an administrator for publish your book on Facebook. So I get a, I get a lot of those questions. Okay, good. And so if if they believe they can self-publish and they find it extremely difficult to do that, but my first uh, advice would be is to send your copy of your work resume and uh, to try 10 publishers at least wait for the answer before you do before you self-publish that's my advice that's some good advice and the only thing I'm going to throw in there with that is when you're looking at publishers make sure that they are going to be a fit for what niche you have so for example mine was so so special that to get it picked up with a major publisher was going to be really difficult. And I knew that it was. So I went the self-publishing route, but that's, that's really challenging to do that because you have to do all your own marketing and there's a lot more in that. But I, what I really like what you are recommending here in that. But um, it's real. Yes. Yes. Because that really gives someone who is trying to get their work out an opportunity for it to get seen by by some people who can make a difference and and it gives you a lot of different options and I think I don't know what the climate we're in and we have this pandemic going on I know that there's a lot of people at home and they are sitting down wondering what to do with their time or maybe they've started writing a little bit and I say go for it but in the in the meantime you should be reading Catherine's work because you're going to get totally inspired and you're gonna learn <laughs> that's a right lot. Yeah. Seriously, you're going to learn a lot because if you haven't taken a lot of classes on English and you want to know how to learn the flow of writing, the more you read poetry, the more your brain will be able to understand and decipher different things. And your work is incredibly, uh, you're just a very gifted writer and someone that has so much, so much creativity. I was so amazed when you talked about a raven and how that interconnected blew my mind. And I'm not going to say anything more than that because I really want the audience to go, what is she talking about? And go look yeah, for it exactly. because it's a really great piece of work that you did. And um, I can only imagine how many awards you have received for that one because that is mind blowing. Yeah, it is. And a lot of my work, the pieces, they're actually stories that actually like full on story. And some of the stories, like even I don't know whether I can say this on air, but even there's even an experience with like <laughs> this is gonna be good. <laughs> um, like uh, 
let's just say I had an experience where I was stalked by someone that was in the mafia that I did not know. Uh-oh. But, yeah, yeah. So, but, yeah, but I was saved by someone in that was. <laughs> this is going to be something you definitely want to read. And I'm thinking here as you're saying this, well, uh, maybe she's bartering her poetry for safety. <laughs> you know, because it's that good. It's like money. Here, I've got, a, I've got a poem for you. I mean, but no, all joking aside, stalking is not okay. And it's it's actually very terrifying. Yeah. I've been physically abused as well. It's yeah. interesting that you say that. And you have you done or are you going to do any type of writing for victims or for aggressors when it comes to that? Because you have insight that only someone that's been in that position can understand. Yes. Well, uh, I'm working on my next book and I wanted to really uh, address it to, to those type of victims. It, it's just really... Um, it's very uh, scary for people that have gone through it and I can understand why they'd be trapped in a relationship for many, many years and stuck in it and you have to literally have the strength to get that person out of your life in order to live, yes. you know. Yes. I, I, have, really worked with, I have worked with uh, victims of domestic violence uh, since, oh, gosh, this is going back. 2003, uh, actually earlier than that, quite a bit earlier. And I've been researching it much longer than that. And so one of the biggest things that I have been asked, like the questions that you get for writing, I get asked about victimization. Why doesn't the victim leave? And so I try to share with people, it's not as simple as you think it is. First things on the plate is that most oftentimes things in a relationship, an abusive relationship are not spoken to anybody else. So trying to get out or when you're going to make that break and telling a family member or a friend, they're absolutely surprised and taken by what you're saying. The other thing is there's so many reasons. It can be financial manipulation. It can be threats. It can be, well, I vowed to be with that person and I'm not breaking a vow or I am very religious and I'm not breaking that vow that I made to God, or there is a host of things that can really make it difficult to leave a situation. Plus you're tired and you have to have an exit strategy where that person isn't going to come and attempt to find you and bring you back into this unhealthy situation. Again, I like how you said that. That you're because I went through all of that. It's not just physical, it was financial. Yes. That's that's a big thing. I think a lot of people don't understand. Now, what's exciting is at the beginning of the show, I shared that you are on across the globe, and I did say that you had studied in Sydney. So tell the audience where you are. I am in Port Kimbla. New South Wales, Australia. That's I love it right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. Okay, so one of the things to go with that, I will share that here in the United States, many victims don't realize that each state 
has a victim's compensation fund. So if they end up having, say, law enforcement go out and there's a situation, they can go to victim services. The victim services will pull up the police report and be able to offer funding, some as much as $35,000 for a victim to, they'll give that to a victim to relocate and, and get out yeah, of that relationship. Right. Yeah. How is it yeah. where you are? Is it similar? Uh, yeah, there's uh, like a company called Sassy, S-A-I. Okay. Okay. Uh, and that protects you. Like if you're, if you do have a home, they make sure that they change the locks for you, uh, protect you to make sure that you have an AVO against your partner. Um, uh, they make sure like financially, like they'll get uh, like a guardian and financial um, maintenance, like to help you. Okay. Um, so to make sure that they, if, for instance, if you are going through a settlement or divorce or something like that, to make sure that the other person does not um, get back, like try to reach it by, say, taking your money. And they can't do that because your money's tied up with the financial This is interesting. And it's That's interesting how different it is, but that seems pretty, pretty significant in a way to help a victim really be safe. And I know here, I, and I'm going to guess human behavior is pretty much the same all across the globe, but cultures do have a little disparity. So I will ask here, if you, it's really a challenge sometimes when you're filing an emergency protective order, because sometimes that's the most dangerous time. The aggressor is like, oh, how could you get me in trouble? And I'm not going to have be things restricted. I'm not going to have my movements restricted. And that's that and when you leave is the most volatile times for someone that's making a report. Is it the same there or? What do yes, you but well, with my case, I was actually in a hospital and the two detectives actually came to see me and, and interviewed me and, and with a social worker made me put the AVO. So she was actually in the room with me. Okay. Um, and so they did it that way. So uh, the person had left. So I was like somewhere else that way. The person can't attack me. So, and they did it by like removing any dangerous objects from the property. Okay. As well, like such as firearm, et cetera. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's really smart. That's the smart thing to do because it's so intense. Emotions are so high at the, that time. And your story is going to be an incredible testimony for those who are in a similar situation. And you're going to be able to share such fantastic advice on because you've been through this. And what I really like is that even though we're across the globe, these things are going to be applicable to anybody who's in this situation. And it's nice to be able to, to bounce this from you and say, okay, well, how about over there? Is it like this? And yeah, yeah. 
I do like a lot more of the involvement though, even though I know that people are kind of, you really don't like others getting involved in your business, but in this, these circumstances, this is the number one, one of, and pretty much the number one risk of danger calls for service for law enforcement that go out to the homes because game is on. They know that the aggressor knows that more than likely that they are going to be arrested and their freedoms are going to be taken away. And there's this sense of loss of control that they don't want to give up. So, um, so that it's just, it's very volatile situation. Not not only for law enforcement, because oftentimes we're seeing things now where the victim is harmed, the children in the harm are harmed in the home. And so is the person that is making the, um, the issue to begin with. So uh, I, and I don't even like going there, but we're seeing this on the rise just unbelievably. And so um, I really like that you're, you're going to be doing this. And I think one of the things I want to really point out for anybody who's listening, one, find a mentor, somebody who's been through this and make sure that you are. That's what I did. I had a mentor after was telling me everything I did was great. She said, it's amazing you did this on your own, she said. And, like, with the book, it doesn't just touch that. It touches everything else that I've been through. And, like, nobody can believe. People that actually know me, they, they still can't fathom how I'm still here today and how I've got a smile on my face how I see things positively and I don't let anything get me down. I'm actually a more upbeat person now that, you know, like the past is the past. Yes, and you're able to see things. I think the perspective is so different and it really allows you to bring joy in. Once you can kind of break that chain and say, I don't need to be tied to those emotions anymore and I'm getting healthy and you're doing it. And I want to share with the audience also, because you've been through that, it, the joy and the inspiration and the, the beauty from all of these things that you've experienced is coming out through your writing and your work will definitely bring a new perspective to people as they are going through the situation and trying to maneuver through it just reading your work as it is poetry and things like that it's this is just incredible let me ask you a question too what direction are you going to be going over in the next the next year are you going to do any speaking engagements or i mean even virtually or um any any other things that might be going on well, the next Saturday, this this Saturday, the 28th, I'm going to be on Chat and Spin Radio. They're interviewing me. Yes. Uh, again, this will be my third time. Excellent. Them, and it will be live international broadcast and recorded as well. And Ooh. they're in the UK. So that'll be exciting. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. think that that's going to be exciting. So you're going to end up continuing to do get interview after interview, and you're going to continue to release more work. And I really want the audience to connect with you on so many levels. Do you want uh, the audience to connect with you on 
Facebook or Instagram? And if so, where can they go? Okay. I have Facebook, which is under my Catherine Basilicata. And my Instagram page is also Catherine.Basilicata. Um, what else? I've even got Twitter, which is Catherine Basilicata. Um, And if they want a copy of your book, they can head on over to Amazon. Amazon and Kindle. And yeah, yeah. And there's going to be so much media exposure surrounding it, such as Pinterest. Um, uh, my publisher told me so many, uh, <laughs> so many ones that are, they're not at the top of my mind right now. <laughs> That's okay because if yeah. we can get the audience to connect with you on your social media feeds, you'll be posting things as you go and they'll be able to connect with the links that you post and things like that. So uh, that's totally okay. Yeah, but I also have an email address if they want to know any updates, for instance. Yes, yes, let's hear it. Yes. Okay, <laughs> capital C. <laughs> Catherine, by the way, with the capital C. Uh, A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, capital B-A-S-I-L-I-C-A-T-A, at gmail.com. Excellent. One word, Catherine Basilicata, but with a capital C and a capital B. Excellent. I want to thank you so much for sharing your story, for giving me inspiration. I know that those that are reading it are inspired, and there's so much in your work that is changing perspectives and habits and will also provide at least one person to change the direction that they're going in their life and it's going to be a lot better and I'm excited to see about what you're doing I want to thank you so much for being here today thank you for inviting me love thank this you. I can't wait to see more Yes, me too. <laughs> oh, I, I'm just so jazzed. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in to another episode of Rebecca Sounds Reveille. I really would like you to connect with Catherine because there's so many of you who have unspoken needs in this area that we talked about just on the domestic violence level. Definitely connect because I think that the things that you're going to find that you might need to make some changes, this is going to give them to you. So do connect. Plus you want to connect and you've got to read her work. I'm telling you, there is just so much joy in it, so much creativity, and you're going to gain a lot. Share this with everybody, you know, on social media, all of your friends and family, and those even coworkers or someone that you might suspect needs a little bit of a boost. Tell them, Hey, I've got something that you've got to read or this is an author you've got to connect with. You're going to you're going to be glad that you did. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. <laughs>